Hi, everyone. Welcome and thank you for tuning into The Animal Files, the podcast where we expose the truth, science, and spirituality of pet care and provide you with the wisdom and tools you need to raise happy and healthy companion animals. My name is Victoria, an animal spirituality facilitator and integrative energy practitioner. And my name is Miranda, an animal health technologist and pet care safety expert. Let's dive in, shall we? We talked about giving personal space, slowly introducing them to the rest of the home, making sure everything is pet proof. But now you kind of start thinking like the animal. Okay, where are these animals going to go and explore? They lead with their nose a lot of times. Is the pantry door closed? Because they're going to get in there. How would they do it? How are we going to do all of the, the things to make sure mm-hmm. that they are safe? So there's a couple of other areas that I, I do want to cover because I think they are really important. Because you, you may end up having a young kitten or a puppy, or you may end up having an older animal. The age of the animal that you get is going to depend or have a bearing on what kind of behaviors they're going to have when you bring them in. An older animal could be stressed because they've bounced around from different homes and just really don't have any of that trust. And that's going to affect how they behave around you. So that could end up taking a lot longer for you to create that space for them that makes them feel safe. Yeah. Which is more of an emotional side of it rather than a physical side of it. Yeah. Especially if you get older animals, they may have had a very traumatic life. They may have been tormented. They may have been tortured. They may have been neglected. It's going to take them a while. You can end up having an amazing animal, but if you try to push yourself and push your energy onto a neglected and traumatized animal, you're going to end up causing more stress. Keep everything in mind. You need to think like the animal. How is the animal perceiving you? Mm-hmm. Here's this tiny little animal. Well, sometimes they're not very tiny, but... <laughs> A human is much bigger than they are. We are automatically intimidating to an animal. So how can you negate that intimidation that those animals feel? How can you soften your energy enough where the animal can start to feel like this home might be a safe home for me? Mm -hmm. It's another thing to consider. Yeah. For the younger animals, especially when you get them just after they've been weaned, they're going to be going through the chewing phase, teething phase, yes. I should say. <laughs> but it would still have to be the chewing yeah. phase. <laughs> They're going to find things to chew on that is going to help ease the discomfort that they have while they go through that process. They could chew on wires. They could chew on plants. They could chew on shoes. They could find all kinds of things to chew on. And just a side note as well, that The chewing aspect is not necessarily just a result of teething. It also can be a result of having mouth problems. They could have some medical issue going on. So that's another thing to keep in mind if you notice that they're chewing a lot. Mm -hmm. With wires, you want to try to cover them up or put them in some way so that they can't get access to them. You can get these hard plastic or metal uh, tube things that you can put them through so that they can't get at them. There's different options that you can look at there. Plants 
best thing is to avoid having any poisonous or toxic plants in your home at all. If you do want to keep them, you want to keep them up high so that in, in a place where they can't climb up and get to them, but be aware that those leaves and flowers can still fall on the ground. They can still eat them once they're on the ground. So you need to be hypervigilant that you're cleaning that up right away if that's happening. Otherwise, you may end up with a vet visit. Yeah, I can give you a little bit of an anecdote. I don't know if that's the word, but <laughs> I have a poinsettia in my home. This will be their third Christmas. I've had them for a few years now. Poinsettias are known to be toxic to animals, especially to cats. What I did is when we brought the new cats in, I put the, I kind of MacGyvered things. And let me just tell you folks, bringing an animal to the house and repairing your house, your house may not look perfect for a while. And that's okay because it's not about you. It's not about your house. It's about the safety of the animal. (laughs) All right. Off my soapbox. Anyway, (laughs) I have lots of soapboxes. But what I did is I have a coffee table that I was using as a, a desk whatever I would sit on the floor with my computer. So on top of the coffee table, I put a kitchen stool, which is about 24 inches high. And then I put the plant on top of the kitchen stool. And as cats got older, we got it a little bit higher. That was fine. But of course, it's a plant. They're in the house. They were wild cats. So it was very exciting for them. One day, I don't know if... My little Maisie got to one of the leaves or it fell off the plant and ate it. But for three days, she was very ill. Poinsettias aren't going to kill your cat, but they will make the cat very sick. They'll have a stomach ache, they'll throw up, and they may not eat for a couple of days. That being said, um, I got a little nervous. So I gave it a little bit. She wasn't not eating completely. And then eventually it passed. That's the only plant I have in my house. And there are many, many, many plants that are not very good for dogs and cats. (laughs) So do your research. I'm home all the time. So I have the ability to pay attention. Now, when I'm looking at my plant, I look at it every single day and I make sure everything is taken care of. There's no leaves on the floor. I take the loose leaves off and make sure that the animals are not touching the plant. So I'm very hyper vigilant. Mm-hmm. Like I said, it's very easy because I'm home all the time. If you are not home all the time and you cannot be vigilant, then you need to remove the plant from wherever the animals are and move it to another space or another window that the cats don't have access to or the dogs don't have access to. Mm-hmm. Now, as we are talking, we we also want to talk about your outside spaces. We talked about the inside spaces. One thing we didn't mention is gates. Baby gates are really good. Baby gates are really good. (laughs) Pay attention to that. Any places where you don't want the animals going, make sure you have a baby gate. And if you have to build up the baby gate so it's tall enough, if you have a jumper like I do, then that's what you do. I have a gate that's got poster board duct tape to it. Mm -hmm. It doesn't look perfect. It doesn't look beautiful, but my cat is safe. So (laughs) that's all that matters. The other advantage of that as well is that when you've got a young cat or dog, if you are planning on letting them have access to the stairs, 
they're going to have difficulty navigating the stairs when they're still really small. Yes. Or not just small, <clears throat> excuse me, not just small, but young. My frog came back. <laughs> <laughs> it likes to play. Yes. <laughs> but if they've never been on stairs before, their first time on it, they could end up falling and tripping and They could end up breaking their neck, breaking a leg or something like that. So you want to make sure that when they're first starting to learn to use the stairs, you are always there with them and that they only have access to a small section so that you can catch them if if need be. Yeah, baby geeks are great. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the outside spaces. First thing, we talked about proofing your house, making sure that the animals are safe within. You also need to think about making your yard escape proof especially dogs. I am a advocate for indoor cats. I do not believe that cats need to go outside, build a catio, like we mentioned. If you want to have your cat to go outside and have limited space, then you need to prepare your backyard as well. We'll get to that in a little bit, but make sure you have an escape proof yard. Do you have a fence? If you don't have a fence, then you can't let your dog just go run outside. You know, that's not safe for them. If you live in a busy suburb or a busy city, you do not want your animal to have access to outside your yard. That's not very safe for them. So make sure you have an escape proof yard. If you have no intention on getting a fence around your yard, then maybe I would not choose a dog. Mm -hmm. And I know some of you probably live on acreages or farms and are used to just letting your animals run around as they choose. But in most cases, their lives are going to end up being shortened if you choose to do this, because not only could they end up getting injured somehow or depending on what's around in the area, but there's also a high chance of wildlife being around. I know where I am, coyotes are a huge issue. And I constantly see signs, um, posters on trees and that saying, my cat is missing, my cat is missing. These are people who are generally, I believe, letting their cats roam. And there's so many risks involved. It's not just wildlife, but this is kind of getting away from the yard aspect, I guess, but we'll come back. (laughs) (laughs) We'll probably talk more into detail about this in another episode, but I'm going to just say that, yeah, there's just a lot of risks involved with letting them roam. But with the yard too, if you have a fence, you want to make sure, is it in good condition? Can they dig underneath it and make a hole to get out? Can they jump over it? How high is the fence? So those are some of the things you need to consider. And I also want to, uh, I'm going to step up on my, my soapbox again. Dogs are not happy staying in the backyard all by themselves without their people. Mm-hmm. That's not the way to raise an animal. If you want a dog to just sit in your backyard mm-hmm. and sit in a dog house, mm-hmm. don't get a dog. Don't get a dog. A dog is social. A dog needs its family. A dog needs its pack. And if it just sits out there, mm-hmm then you're not a pet owner. You are a neglectful person who is not allowing the animal to have what it needs to thrive. If you want something for protection, that's fine, Mm -hmm. but it needs to have human companionship. Mm -hmm. I am a big believer in house dogs. (laughs) I don't care how big your dog is. 
let it come into the house. Let it be a part of the family because that's how they thrive. It's a dog. They live in family packs. They do not live on their own. All right, off my soapbox. Um, but yeah, but yeah. So if you're going to leave it in the backyard and not do anything with it and not give it the attention it needs, don't get it up. Yeah. And some of the things that could end up happening as a result, if you don't give it the attention that it needs to thrive is you could end up with a dog that's constantly barking and annoying your neighbors. That's when they could also start digging to try to get out or trying to jump over the fence, that type of thing. So don't forget the injuries that they can get from being on a collar all the time and on a leash all the time. Oh, yes. That you can have a big problem with that. There are some dogs that actually have their necks injured so much by their collars that their skin actually starts to heal over the the collar. Oh, yes, definitely. And then you have a big you have a big problem. Mm -hmm. You have a big problem. Because an injury is going to heal. And if it injures itself because it's trying to pull on a collar, that skin is going to heal however it feels. Yeah. And that's why walking a dog is so important. That's giving it the stimulation as well as the exercise and enrichment that it needs. And this will prevent or reduce any behavioral issues that might occur. Ideally, if you're going to put a dog in the backyard, you should always be out there with it. You can let it out to do its bathroom needs and then let it back in. That's fine. But if it's going to be out there for any length of time, then you want to be out there with it. And some of these animals may prefer to be outside, but that's part of the responsibility of being an owner. If it wants to be outside, you have to make sure that you have the ability to go sit on the patio while it plays or throw a ball and let it play and let it be other. It needs the interaction. So just to wrap up things, mm -hmm. you would want to prepare your, our home for a new animal. So you want to make sure wires, plants, shoes, items on shelves. You want to make sure you pet proof the entire home. You need to create the boundaries after you've given them the personal space. The one thing we didn't mention is ID tags and microchips. Mm. Yes. That is something that you need to also be aware of. A dog should always get a microchip and cats. I don't have my cats microchipped because I have special needs cats. They will never go outside. But outside of that, if you don't know what's going to happen, you make sure that your cats are ID chipped as well, microchipped. And I'm a big believer in collars. Now, cats are different because they go into smaller things. So you have to get the right collar and then an ID tag on a collar may not keep the cat safe. Um, <laughs> so microchips probably best for a cat. But that is one thing that you want to pay attention to, to make sure that you set aside the money to do that. It's not that much money, but it can save you a lot of grief and also protect the animal. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because even if you've decided that your cat is never going to go outside or that your dog is never going to go outside unless it's on a leash with a walk or something like that. There still could be situations that are unexpected where maybe you have somebody come to the home and is not as mindful and might be holding open the door before you even realize it, your animal could be running outside. True. Yeah, I, I forget that my house is set up in a way where there is no way you have to go through two doors to get to the outside. Mm. I always forget that. I'm blessed like that. I have a small house, but we have a completely 
closed up front porch. So to get outside, they'd have to go through one door, go 19 feet to the other door. There's a lot of, you can protect that. (laughs) And we barely use that front door anyway. And then the back door, we always have the kitchen door shut. So they have to actually get through the kitchen to even get to the back door. And now we're not allowing them in the kitchen without supervision. So I do forget that. And so, yes, majority of people have one door that an animal needs to go out. And you need to make sure that the animals are protected if and when. I may eventually get my cats microchipped, especially if I leave this house. If I leave this house and move to another house, it's definitely going to happen. Even though they're going to stay inside because they they do have FELV. Going outside is not safe for them or other animals. I do have that, that I have to be aware of, but most people don't have that. Do what you need to do to take care of your cat. Spend the money you need to spend to take care of your dog. This is just responsible pet ownership. That's all it is. And I don't want it just to go too long today, mm-hmm. but we do want to kind of touch on a couple of things. If you want to go over just some of the bullet points about preparing your home for a new dog, and then I'll mm-hmm. go over the bullet points for preparing home for a new cat. And we can wrap this up for all you folks and get you to a place where you feel secure enough to go about and start protecting your home. Yeah, there's there's a couple of points we didn't touch on, and I'll just mention them briefly here, and we'll probably go into more detail in another episode. One of the things is that before you bring your cat or dog home is consider where are they going to sleep? Are you going to have a crate for them to sleep in? Are they going to sleep on your bed? Are they going to sleep in the come into your bedroom with you when you're sleeping? Are you going to have a specific area for them to stay in? Those are some things to consider. It's a good idea for them to become familiar with where you expect them to sleep so that they're not just going wherever, whenever. Other thing to consider is you want to create a routine and familiarity for them. Animals really thrive on routines. So having a certain time that you feed them, a certain time that you walk them, I mean, it doesn't have to be like rigid, rigid, but within a reasonable period of time so that they kind of know when to expect. This helps them to feel safer, more comfortable. They get a lot more stressed when they don't have that routine and familiarity. And there's also that aspect too, that if you change things in the home, like move furniture around, or there's a new person that comes in, this can also potentially cause some stress for them, which we'll talk about later on. With training them, you want to have consistency. You want to have, this is where you should have a conversation with your household members ahead of time to make sure that When you're training them, you're using the same vocabulary that you are all enforcing the same thing. If one person allows a dog to jump up and another person is punished, well, you shouldn't be punishing them, but but trying to not have them jump up, the dog is going to be confused and not know what it is that they're supposed to do. But you also want to use the same vocabulary. If you say down for lying down, for getting off the couch, for going back onto all fours if they've jumped up that and you're using the same word. That's a good point. It's going to be confusing for them. Really good they point. don't know what to associate down with. And you all want to have everybody using the same words. You want to have a different word for each behavior that you want them to exhibit. And so other things to consider is you want to have some safe enrichment toys for them. 
And you want to consider how you're storing their food so that you're making sure it's not getting rancid and it's staying fresh and staying fresh for them. I'm just going to go briefly over the new pets in general, as well as for new dogs. So you, you want to cover up wires, put plants up high, try to eliminate any poisonous toxic plants if possible, put shoes and out of reach items on the shelves out of reach. You want to pet proof your home in thinking of how your animal is going to explore and deal with things. You want to create a routine and familiarity. You want to have consistency and training and vocabulary. You want to consider having baby gates for stairs or for preventing access to certain areas. You want to have ID tags and microchips. You want to slowly introduce new animals to other pets that might exist, and you want to give them personal space. And then you want to escape-proof the yard. Oh, I didn't mention this one. If you're going to bring a new dog home, you want to bring them to their new toilet area right away. Because if you bring them into the living room and they really have to go to the bathroom, they might go right there if they're stressed or if they just really need to go. And then you're going to have issues with training them where to go properly. If you're going to train them to use a crate, you want to consider the location. It's a good idea to have it in a safe, secure, and quiet area, such as a bedroom or a laundry room. Especially if you're going to have, if you have people over quite a lot, like you're around Christmas or something like that, this gives them an area that they can go and get away from everyone. The safe enrichment toys, the storing of food and where they sleep. Those are all so important. Now with cats, you want to create a sanctuary. If you don't have a lot of space, you can do what I did. I actually have a four foot by two and a half foot cage that is open all the time. And I made it nice and cozy for them. I put a cover over the top. That's where they went when they were scared. They went up to the top shelf and that's where they hung out. And it was not something that I locked them up in unless we left the house when they were little but it was their space. And it is still a year later, it is still here. They still use it. So creating that sanctuary is really important, especially in the first few weeks. You want to make sure that within that sanctuary, you have your feeding area, the litters, all of their toys, all of the things and quiet for them to adapt. You wanna make sure you block all small openings throughout the house. Want to make sure you have scratching pads and trees or they're going to do your couch and your chairs and your rugs. Make sure you don't have expensive rugs because (laughs) your rugs are going to get used because that is a nature thing. That is not something you can breed out of your cat. They will claw. They will claw. So make sure they have something that they can do. Make sure they have the enrichment toys. You want to create safe climbing areas so they're not climbing on places where there's things that can get broken. You want to set up nice window spaces or a catio, or depending on how much money you have. You want to slowly introduce other household members. And that even goes to, with cats, you also need to slowly introduce other humans that you're bringing into your home because they're very territorial And if they've gotten comfortable for you, then all of a sudden you throw a party and they have 20 people that they have to worry about, you are creating a very stressful situation. So you also, not only do you need to slowly introduce other animals, but you also need to slowly introduce other humans and make sure that they have plenty of spaces where they can go to get away that are safe so they can have their space. Do you think we forgot anything? Do you think there's anything we need to add? 
before we close? I think we've covered most of it. I was just going to add that with the safe havens, I've seen people become creative and they'll take a bunch of different boxes and they'll kind of cut holes in them and they'll sort of pile them on top of each other and give this sort of neat hiding place. So there's a lot of creativity if you choose to. And they don't cost that much. That's also something is you do not have to spend a lot of money to do this. Mm -hmm. It's just being aware and utilizing things. You can take a box Mm -hmm. with an old t-shirt and you can give them a cubby. So in our next few episodes, we're going to talk about the other things that you may need to be aware of. We're also going to talk about how to choose the proper vet. We're going to talk about nutrition. We're going to talk about all of the things. We're going to take you step-by-step through bringing in an animal into your home and helping them to thrive. That is our purpose here giving you the information that you can use to make good choices for you and your animal. Yeah, I love being able to share this information. I'm grateful to be able to provide it and help you have healthy and thriving relationship with your pets. Yes, definitely. So we'll see you next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to today's episode. If you enjoyed the show, please be sure to rate, review, and recommend the show on iTunes or wherever you get your podcasts. If you want some more great info, be sure to check out www.theanimalfilespodcast.com.